the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, and welcome in to Rob Black and Your Money, AM 1220 KDOW. Make sure you listen to the show. 10-hour-a-week club, that's all I ask. It's not too much to ask. If you are too far away to get a good signal, I ask that you move closer to the station. But all I ask is 10 hours a week. Not too much. You listen, and I promise I will give you as much information as I can to help you become a better money person, to get you to retirement, to analyze the daily news for you, to help you stop making mistakes or cut down on your mistakes. I will do everything I can for you. Uh, We can talk insurance. We can talk real estate. We can talk money. We can talk about 20-somethings, 30-somethings whatever you really want to talk about. I'm pretty good with just about all of it. What I want you to do is not be afraid, and I don't want you to be freaked out. There's nothing that could be considered bullish today in the world of the stock market. All I see is red. I'm not freaked out. The Dow is down 131. SP 500 is down 15. NASDAQ's down 36. Oil's down under $90 a barrel. Yay! Okay, that's one bullish thing. We should be paying less at the pump down the road. 10-year treasury, I can't believe it, at 1.6. Europe's going to get uglier before it gets better. This is not the time to be going after high-flying stocks. This is the time to be going after high-paying dividend stocks. This is the time to bunker down and uh, rebalance your portfolio to cut some exposure to growth or anything that can have a multiple shrink. And what does multiple shrink mean? Well, we all know that shrinkage is no good. Size matters. So when you see a multiple shrink, it's bad. Stock has a PE of 60. It could shrink all the way down to 10.15. Apple has a PE of about 10 times next year's earnings. It can't shrink too much more historically, even in bad economy. So there's nothing good that could be said out there for today. Spain, the European Central Bank, has not approved a bailout of a Spanish banquia using ECB credit facilities. A small rating agency downgraded Spanish debt. Yields on the Spanish 10-year note rose to 6.65%. For reasons that we don't quite know yet, the market has decided that a 7% yield on that note is unsustainable. And the point at which the market will panic is logical. The United States is benefiting from the fact that our 10-year note is at 1.6%. Spain doesn't have that going on right now. They're borrowing at 
it's a lot tougher to pay that back than paying back 1.6%. Our government should go as much into debt as we can right now because our, our yields are incredibly low. With that said, we're also being artificially manipulated. Central banks around the world have decided the best policy to fix countries is lower interest rates, make borrowing costs cheaper. Europe doesn't have that ability because they got this ridiculous European Union, so they can't really pull it off. Spain has to borrow for Spain. Germany has to borrow for Germany. Greece has to borrow for Greece. They're a union, but not really. They're a union for the good things, not for the bad things. So they're having a little bit of a problem. The news from the United States is limited. We're not getting a lot of information today. On Friday, we will get the May employment data. We're expecting you know, an increase of 150,000, 200,000 jobs. On a lot of days, the stock market has been constrained by the fears of Europe and the headlines that come out of Europe. The U.S. market has sometimes done better in the last few hours of trading when we're no longer focused on Europe, where all the news is out there. Commodity prices continue to get hit because the euro continues to go lower, which makes the dollar stronger. The dollar isn't necessarily inherently stronger because it's not. I know you're saying, well, that was real insightful, Rob. Well, the dollar's not necessarily higher because we keep printing it. I would love to tell you about, like, hey, our dollar's so strong because the world really wants it, but it's really because the world doesn't want the euro right now. Gold's at 15 15 ounce. Oil's under $90 a barrel. Facebook. Where is Facebook? I saw they were lower for a couple minutes ago. Now they're up 51 cents. Their initial IPO was slated for somewhere between 28 and 32, and then it was... Bumped up to 32 to 35, then it was bumped up 35, 38, came public at 38. It probably should have come public at 28. Would I buy the shares? No. I'm not an amateur. Are you? So there's nothing going on positive today. And I'm a-okay with it. Are you? My 401k buys every second Friday. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to buy on... Uh, the 1st of June. And I'm happy that I'm buying cheaper. I'm young. I'm pretty. All things considered. Parts of me are older. I can't tell you which parts because then you'd know my weakness and you'd come after me aggressively. But you get the idea. We could talk about top insurance mistakes to avoid. We can talk about Apple TV. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, is out there today talking TV. He says the television is an area of intense focus for the company. This is an area of intense focus. We're going to keep pulling the string and see what it take, where it takes us. Apple co-founder Steve Jobs, before he died last year, told his biographer that he had finally cracked how to build a TV with a simple user interface that would wirelessly synchronize content with Apple's other devices. Companies work on a television that may be unveiled this year and released in 2013. So says Gene Munster at Piper Jaffrey. Okay. Now, I know we live in a materialistic world. And I am a material girl. Mm, uh, odd Madonna reference, right? Awkward. 
So Apple's turned to Jeff Robin, the software engineer who built the iTunes Media Store and helped create the iPod to lead its development of a TV set. The company sells a set-top box called Apple TV that lets customers stream video from Apple products or the Internet to their TVs. The device has yet to gain any sort of wide acceptance. It's still considered a hobby by most. But Apple also says they've got a great appreciation for Facebook, and they think the relationship's very solid. So I think in the short term, you're going to see some sort of software upgrade that really integrates Facebook into their products. We'll talk about Apple. We'll talk about Siri. We'll talk about insurance mistakes. We'll talk about some of the daily news that you have to absolutely positively know. I got it all for you. I'm not holding anything back in any way, shape, or form. This will be a good show today. I'm sober. Got that going for me, which is nice. But even on top of it, uh, we could talk about anything that you really want to, you know, delve into. Any of the top business stories, Facebook, Salesforce.com, Groupon, Pet Boys, Sally Mae, and much, much more. You can find me at YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find me at Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and much, much more. Stocks are falling today amid some Greek euro exit concern. So Bank of America, Citigroup, lower. Freeport, MacMoran, Copper and Gold, Dow Chemical, lower. Research and Motions, lower. They look like internet super highway roadkill to me. They're down almost 9%. The BlackBerry maker forecasts a surprise operating loss, and they've hired some banks to advise on their options. They're trouble. Now, just so again, I own shares of Apple, and this is a, a dose of humility for me. At one point in time, people thought research emotion was all that in a bucket of chicken. Two years ago... Jim Cramer called it one of his fabulous five at $150 a share. Now it's $10 a share. Now, he won't remind you of that. I will. But the point that I'm trying to make is that Sony once was dominant in electronics, and then Research Emotion was dominant in electronics. The game changes every five years, so you cannot get cocky. What you're seeing is worry. And how this really plays out on whether Europe has the ability to even solve the problem at this point. It's probably a given that Greece will need a, a more flexible plan, right? The question is under which Greek government does that take place and how does it get negotiated? Global stocks are slumping today. Ten-year treasury yield slid to a record low. The euro weakened to a two-year low. Like, honestly, it's ponderous to me. I scratch my head and I go, can we really be in this scenario? So commodities are down because we, it looks like there's a, a recession looming. It looks like slower growth is looming. Facebook, slightly higher today. Uh, 20% drop from its initial open. 
I tried to tell you that, you know, IPOs are for amateurs. After 180 days, if you want to play it, that's fine. But it's, I don't know, it's awkward to say the least. I was going to say it's like, you know, that first 30 minutes at prom where you're not quite sure what's going on. Facebook extended losses yesterday from the worst performing large initial public offering of the last decade plus. Investors have pummeled the shares, citing concerns over growth prospects. Mark Zuckerberg's on his honeymoon. Like, I don't know. I'm not all that concerned with that story. Tim Cook said that we're going to blow you away in two weeks. What? What's that mean? He made no product announcement at D10, the high-powered tech conference taking place this week in Rancho Palos Verdes in California. In a keynote, Cook teased the crowd by mentioning that things I cannot talk about today. We have some incredible things coming. Walt Mossberg was there. I love Walt Mossberg. Uh, You know, and he basically said, you know, what's coming? And Tim Cook said, that's a great question. I'm not going to answer it. At, in recent years, you know, Apple has always introduced new products at its own events. They do not introduce products at other people's events because the product introduction now is just as important as the product itself. That's kind of interesting, right? Um, one analyst is saying, be prepared for a collapse in housing. This is something that really strikes me as, I don't think he's wrong. And I don't necessarily think he's right, but it's a hell of an argument. He was the only analyst who was spot on correct in stating in the past two years that there is no housing bottom in sight. An analyst is coming out today. His name is Keith Giroux. He says housing pundits are nearly unanimous in declaring that housing markets are showing signs of bottoming. This is nonsense in his opinion. He says we're hearing signs that California markets are showing signs of revival and that prices are rising in certain markets. In Los Angeles, Trulia reports that the average price per square foot for homes sold in February through April was down 9.3% year over year. For three-bedroom homes and down 8.7% for two-bedroom homes. In San Francisco, allegedly one of the hottest areas in the nation, the three-bedroom average price per square foot was down 4.7% year over year. And for an average one-bedroom price per square foot was down 8.1%. And this analyst is, is citing, you know, price per square foot statistics are the best way to compare prices because it does not matter how large the house is. Your home is typically sold on square footage. I don't know if you know that, but it kind of is. So he's saying that he continues to see, you know, delinquencies. He continues to see bankruptcies. He's continuing not to see wage inflation. Um, There's a lot of mortgage modifications going on, refinancing cutbacks. You know, the truth is, is in his opinion, is look at the buyers. And it's an undeniable fact that the trade-up buyer is gone in every major market. I own a home, and it's not appreciated to the point where I'm going to trade up. My wage is nice. And yeah, maybe I could afford a bigger home. But I'm not trading up anytime soon. 
I'm actually pretty comfortable with my square footage. I don't need more. I'm actually pretty comfortable with my view. I don't need better. First-time buyers and investors are what's buying houses right now. It's not trade-up, people. Investors are concentrating in the sand states where prices have collapsed more than anywhere else, like Arizona, Nevada, and Florida. So there's not a lot of investors in Connecticut. There's not a lot of investors in Iowa. And he's saying, you know, first-time buyers are challenged. I don't think he's crazy in what he's talking about. So, you know, the housing credit bubble, the collapse was historical. Prior to the disaster, the largest bubble and collapse in American history was the U.S. stock market from 27 to 32. The housing bubble from 2002 to 2006, the second biggest bubble ever. Considerably bigger than the tech bubble of 98 to 2000. You know... At one point in time, you were able to buy stocks with just 10% down, and that's what kind of led to that stock market crash in 27 to 32. Brokers would lend you up to 90% of the price, and that sounds a lot like the housing bubble. But the housing bubble was created off sometimes 0% down. Sometimes it was 103, 106% financing. So get an appraisal from a professional appraiser, Find out, you know, what the market value of your home is. Seriously consider putting your home on the market if you're comfortable with the price. That's his advice. How big can the plunge get? I'm going to be pretty honest with you. I don't ever see my house going up in value. Now, again, that doesn't mean I'm negative on real estate. It just tells you I own an expensive piece of land, and I don't know who can afford it. We're not creating lawyers that fast. Where do you stand on this? Send me a tweet, pound, or at Rob Black Show, at Rob Black Show. Give me some feedback. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. AM 1220. Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I was lucky that I had a lot of freedom as a child to figure out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to be. I was raised in foreign countries. I know it's tough to pick up my accent, isn't it? <laughs> I am not French. And uh, when you're a child raised in other countries, you get no TV. So I think I have a pretty fertile imagination for good reasons. I've got a brother, David, who uh, protected me and, and loved me and fostered anything that I wanted to do told me that I can do anything that I wanted to do. I hope you're all in a similar situation or if you have children, I hope you make those children put into a similar situation. I had a crappy dad, but I had a great brother. And sometimes that's all you need to succeed and get far in life. A couple things that I want to throw out there to you. 
is uh, I talk about money. I talk about investing. I talk about retirement. I talk a lot of lifestyle, a lot of technology. Ultimately, what I want to do is try to get you to retirement. That's my goal. I want you to try to skip the books. I spoke with a Navy Air, uh, Navy pilot last night, and he said, what do you think about Robert Kiyosaki? And honestly, it felt like a mouse came into my mouth, threw up, and died. And he's still there. Like, that's what I think about Kiyosaki. I have an opinion, and I probably won't last terribly long in media, and I've been saying that for 15 years, in large part because I have an opinion. It's pretty tough when you have the people like Kiyosaki who buy advertising to continue to fight the battles against them. When your general manager's like, don't piss anyone off. I'm like, but I'm just telling the truth. So, one day I'll disappear from radio, and it'll be fast. Typically in radio, they tell you that you're fired right after your shift, and there's typically a security guard there. And he typically walks you to your desk, and you get to pack it up and leave, which is pretty humiliating especially when you work for minimum wage in radio <laughs> to have another guy who's making minimum wage walk you out because management's afraid you're going to freak out. But it comes with the territory and I've always known that. So uh, I'm pretty comfortable with it. Oh, good golly. You know, um, so I was talking to a military pilot last night and I work for beers. We went to Tommy's joint right across from Cron. He met me there. He made it easy for me. He, he has USAA, his dad, he's in the military. My dad was in the military, so I get USAA. It's the cheapest car insurance and the cheapest rental insurance and homeowner's insurance on the planet. And they've got good mutual funds for, for picking stocks. They're a great company. That's part of his success right there. He didn't sign up with an insurance broker, sold him crap. He didn't sign up with, you know, an, uh, an insurance guy put him in a note. He got to USAA. He's already got half the battle figured out. You need to figure out your battle. The best way you can invest and save is your company's 401k, your 403b, your 457. It's much, much more important to plan for your retirement than it is to own a home. When you're retired, you can live in my basement. I've got a basement of old people. And I have cow prod. And most of them are, are damn dirty hippies. So, you know, I basically hose them down on occasion. And I got a basement of old people. When you're retired, you can live anywhere. You can rent. There's no rules. There's no, there's no, nothing that says you can't. But when you're retired, if you have no money, you can do nothing. You eat cat food. And I know, I know... Someone's going to send me an email telling me about how great cat food actually is and how much more nutrition it is. But this military guy, I was like, do you have a budget? He's like, not really. I was like, you got to start with a budget. I mean, you have to start with a budget. You have to have goals. How much do you want when you retire? And a budget. And then you can start from there. You need to figure out what in your budget's great and what in your budget's bad. In his case, he spends $500 a month on housing. Not bad. His housing cost is lower than the average person. The average person, their housing should be 
no more than 28% of their monthly bill of their, their paycheck. No more. When you start getting 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35%, that's when you're starting to stretch yourself. I don't mind you going as high as 35%. But if you can live with mom and dad, I find that totally sexy. I find that totally wonderful and totally great. If you're saving the money. If you're not, I find you a lech. I find you pathetic. And I don't think you're going to get very far in life. You work from age 20 to 60. So you get 40 years to save money for retirement. That's it. couple things that I could throw out called living. You need to live right. You know, I'm totally for taking a sabbatical from work. Totally. You need mental health as much as you need physical health. But you also need to make sure that you don't lose your job during that sabbatical. I like used cars versus new cars. I like cars that are dependable and reliable. I'm not all that fond of doing massive renovations in the home as much as adding square footage to the home. There's a couple things, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday about careers. And she's in a pretty average career. She went to Heald College, which I think is kind of like a cocoa. And she's got some sort of degree, but I'm not sure in what. Sounds like one of those technical trade schools. But her career's not going terribly great. And, you know, I shot down, you know, a list of things that she can do. Part of it is consider moving to another city. If you're single, strongly consider moving to another city. Because that's when you can do it. On top of it, start interviewing. When you interview, you could do a lot of really cool things. You could end up getting a job that you didn't realize that you were going to get. You could get turned down at interviews, and getting turned down is great. My favorite saying in life is sometimes you take a pie in the face, and sometimes you're hip deep in pie. I'm okay being hip deep in pie. Because I love pie. I love apple pie. My favorite pie chart is how much damn pie I ate. Like, I love pie. I strongly recommend practicing your interview skills and networking. You know, you can interview for a job as an accountant, even though you have no skills in an accounting. And maybe the person likes you and says, hey, by the way, we got this, per- we got this need in HR. It's worth doing interviews and practicing your skills. A couple years ago, I um, interviewed at Cisco for an in-house product announcement video guy. I was just trying to see if I can get the job. Like, I've done media a long part of my life now. I have no degree in media. I've got no degree in journalism. Um, the best advice I ever got was be yourself on radio. And that's what I've done. But I interviewed for a job at Cisco a couple of years ago. And uh, part of it was he had to do like this read like, Hey, everybody, it's me, Rob Black. And I'm, joining me today is John Chambers, of the CEO of Cisco Systems. And John's going to show us this new product today called the uh, BFG uh, 2000. And uh, this is really a big gun. And the word F I'm not allowed to say because 
well, this is on-campus video, and uh, how shall we say it just means it's really a big gun. <laughs> and the BFG 2000 is going to revolutionize Cisco systems, and it's take us the, and I just couldn't do it. You know, you put me in front of a camera where I have to talk about stocks, no problem. You put me in front of a camera where I have to, like, be the congenial guy that introduces a product. I, I flubbed. I, it was probably my worst interview ever. Like, I was so bad. I was beyond bad. Anyway, it was a good experience for me. A, I learned something I couldn't do, but B, also I got to network. Part of the whole job interviewing thing is networking. If you just stay at your job every day and you bitch and moan and how it stinks, you're going to be there tomorrow, the next day, and the next day. you got to get out there. I know it's, it sounds crazy. If you're single, guess what? Staying at home watching TV ain't going to get it done. you got to get out there. Oh, my. You know, a couple other things I'll throw out there is, is you need to protect your online privacy. You need to protect your identity. Huge. I use a credit card for big ticket purchases only. I don't use a credit card for day-to-day activities. So if I go out and buy a, a really big TV, I'll get the points for it, absolutely, for the dollars spent. Change your password every three months. It's pretty easy to do. It's a pretty easy concept out there. You know, Zappos said in January that hackers had tapped its database of more than 24 million users. Customers' credit information was safe, but email and billing addresses, phone numbers, and encrypted passwords were exposed. So that's 24 million users. Like, change your password every 90 days. If you have mail that's delivered on the street, try to get it delivered to your door. Or put it in a, a locked mailbox. Yes, you may be the weirdo with a locked mailbox, but you won't have your identity stolen. If you ever have your identity stolen, it stinks. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. AM 1220, KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. What's on your financial mind? You tell me. Pick up the phone, 800-516-1220 if you want to call the show. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the show. Toll Brothers, the largest U.S. home luxury builder, luxury home builder. They're buying half of a Southern California subdivision approved for as many as 2,300 houses as demand for new single-family properties begins to recover. So, that's interesting. What's that tell you? Tolls can become a joint venture partner with closely held builder Shea Homes to develop a 387-acre Shea Baker Ranch in Lake Forest. Not quite sure where that is, but Toll spent $124 million on land in the quarter. They're starting to say, you know, hey, the high end, that's what we build, high end homes. We're willing to say that there's some areas where demand's going to come back. There's not a lot of inventory in Orange County. There seems to be some pent-up demand in some good communities. Great location. It's a big deal. Those are all phrases you kind of want to hear if you're a believer in real estate. Pet Boys is lower today. Manny Moe and Jack, the auto parts chain, slumped. 
They ended their proposed $1 billion sale to Gore's Group, which questioned the deal earlier this month following lower-than-expected earnings. So Pet Boys down 21%. Ultimately, Gore's Group agreed to pay Pet Boys a fee of about $50 million and to reimburse it for certain merger-related expenses as settlement for any and all potential claims that Pet Boys could assert under the terms of the merger agreement. Some mergers just weren't meant to happen. And, again, that's why... When a company announces a takeover, company A will say they're going to buy company B, and company B goes up 20%. But there's still a little bit more room for the deal to get done, like up to 23%. And that, that 3% is sometimes that little, if you're willing to you know, think that the deal gets done, you'll get a nice little 3% for your time. If it falls apart, you see how it plays out. So the mild winter weather Restrain customer spending. Delays in implementing new technology disruption during store conversions have impacted some recent results. So Pet Boys is a play on a bad economy. We're not in a bad economy. We're in a slowly recovering job market. Auto companies like Ford, General Motors, they are the right play right now and not the auto parts retailer. The auto parts retailer during the recession rocked and rolled. We're not in the recession anymore. Americans held on to their car for the last 10 years. I've got two cars. You know, it's one of them I've held on to for way too long. I need to get rid of it. I need to find the title and get rid of it. With that said, you know, if I don't, I'm going to have to go and get auto parts for it. Or I'm going to have to pay the dealer to find the auto parts for it, right? So... Pet Boys traces its roots back to 1921 when four Navy friends pulled $800 to open an auto parts store in Philadelphia. It's been a publicly traded company for 65 years. It's got over 700 locations to repair vehicles and sell parts such as tires and brake pads and wiper blades. In March, Midas, which operates its namesake Speedy Automotive Services, agreed to be acquired by tire supplier TBC, so the industry is seeing some consolidation. That's one of the nicer things about investing is sometimes you can see that companies are willing to pay X amount of dollars for each other, and that gives you that gives you kind of a valuation to work off of. If a software company like Oracle is willing to go out and buy company XYZ for four-time sales, then you could say, hey, I see companies that are similar to XYZ traded at two-time sales. Maybe they're cheap. So it gives you some basic ideas. Hmm. Pending sales of U.S. existing homes declined last month by the most in a year. Yesterday we get great housing numbers. Today we get not so great housing numbers. It's a little bit of a yo-yo. Yo-yo-yo. Number of Americans signing contracts to buy previously owned homes fell in April by the most in a year. The median forecast was uh, called for no change, but it dropped 5.5%. Wow. Mortgage rates at record lows failed to sustain the pace of demand as some buyers may have waited for home prices to decline further. Limited access to credit and persistent foreclosures are still weighing on housing. The economist at Moody says, I don't think we see imminent signs of a robust rebound in housing. There are a number of hurdles for housing, even though the labor market is improving, hiring has slowed in recent months, and it's still hard to qualify for a loan. So a lot of people are calling for the end of housing or the, the drop of housing. Back in 2008, I told you it was going to, you know, bottom somewhere in 2012 to 2015. 
and I still feel comfortable saying 2012, 2015, there's going to be a lot of different markets that play out in a lot of different ways. You know, the peninsula is going to, you know, be artificially high because it's the peninsula. Stockton's going to be depressed because there's no buyers. You know, I think we're better off than we have been in the last five years. But am I going to say we're going to win the pennant? No. I think we need a little bit more confirmation that we're a winner before I go that far. It feels good compared to the desert that we just crossed. And the illusions, the illusions, the, uh, the, the mirages that we saw on the way. I love borrowing costs. Borrowing costs for a 30-year fixed mortgage, 3.78%. Unbelievable. Or as I like to say, unbeditable. I know you're saying, what? Unbeditable. Anyway, um, year over year, San Francisco down 3%. Washington, D.C. down one half of 1%. San Diego down 2.7%. L.A. down 4.7%. Vegas down 7.5%. A lot of people are buying in the, de- in the sandy regions right now of uh, Nevada and Arizona, Phoenix particularly. Uh, Florida. They're the areas that went up artificially and they also fell the hardest, the fastest. If you've ever been to Arizona, when you're flying in, take a look out the window and what you can see is a lot of land and no water. If you've ever been to Vegas, when you're flying in or driving in, take a look around. It's a desert. There's not a lot of jobs. There's a lot of land. And they can build up in, in Vegas and Phoenix. They can't build up in, in the Bay Area because of earthquakes. A little bit of a hint and tip and trick for you. You listen to AM 1220, KDOW. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Awa. Did he just say Awa? Some Spanish-speaking communities turn the G into an H. Some turn it into a hard G. So is it Agua or Awa? I don't quite know. But it's something we need to talk about. Water. We know oil's a commodity, right? We've seen the price of oil go up in our lifetime. We get it. We know gold is a commodity. We get that too. We understand corn, commodity. We get commodities, right? So let's talk a little bit about this. A lot of people think of water as a public good. But will it be an investment in our lifetime? Keep in mind 10 years ago, eh, eight years ago, I had the same exact concept, same exact thought. Water will eventually become a commodity. Walk into a 7-Eleven and sometimes you'll pay more for 
a gallon of water than you would a gallon of oil, right? Or a gallon of gasoline. Like, it ain't cheap. So energy prices have gone higher. Metal prices have gone higher. Agriculture has gone higher. There's a big to-do about building a national pipeline that runs you know, north and south across our country. But it would go over the U.S.'s largest aquifer. 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 And that freaks out a lot of people. There's water scarcity. There's shortages. There's the misuse of fresh water. There's competitive usage. Water consumption is expected to increase by 40% over the next two decades. Global population growing. Expansion in agriculture growing. Urbanization, industrialization continuing to march on. I will be long dead before the suburbs completely overtake us. And we live in suburbia. But it feels like I'm seeing it on a regular basis. So water, we need to talk a little bit about it. Water is a commodity. It's a vital resource. You can't live without it. I've had one of the... If you know me, you know that I've, I've been on a big weight loss health kick for the last nine months. And one of the side effects is I've had a really bad diarrhea. And for about the last 10 days, I've lost a lot of water. So I'm pounding water to offset it. I'm taking Imodium to stop it. Like, I'm doing whatever I can to make sure I don't run out of water. I'm actually fearful of dying from dehydration. I know you're saying, you haven't had hard in 10 days? It's been a long time. Sorry if this upsets you, but I'm just trying to teach you about water. Concerns over growing water scarcity and shortages, including the misuse of fresh water and competitive usage, have been put in, you know, pressure on this, this resource. Supply issues, rising population, loss of watersheds, drying aquifers, aging infrastructure. You know, demands on the rise. And the way we manage it is, is decreasing. It's, it's deteriorating. Global leaders have been focusing on water for decades. United Nations and World Bank. Investment professionals and media are becoming a little bit more aware of it. The Economist, which is probably what Playboy magazine is to 15-year-old boys, The Economist is to me. They, you know, they've devoted a whole website to the topic. There's a Fidelity Mutual Fund on water. You know, this is global water consumption is expected to increase 40% in the next 20 years. In just 20 years, demand for water will be 40% higher and more than 50% higher in the most rapidly developing countries. People kill each other for water in other countries. In America, we, we water our grass with it. In America, we, we take 20-minute showers. The world's population stands at about 7 billion people. By 2025, it'll be 9 billion people. I'm sorry, it'll be 8 billion people. And by 2043, it'll be 9 billion. Steve Moskovitz scares me. That turkey neck scares me. I'm sorry. I just saw a commercial with Steve Moskovitz in it. The world's two largest population in China and India. They're accounting for about 29% of the world growth. They're going to continue to represent a large portion of the next two decades. Emerging countries will begin to account for growth down the road. Nigeria is expected to account for nearly 10% of the global population by 2030. 
Is that right? That's crazy. They make babies in Nigeria like they just pop them out. There goes another one. The percentage of population with access to improved drinking water rose from 48% in 1990 to 58% in 2008. We want to get to 75% of people. The percentage of population with access to drinking water. Only 5% of the country's potential farmland has been fully developed in Nigeria. So water is going to be a big, 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 big issue. Agriculture, the world's largest user by by water or by volume of water is agriculture. It accounts for 70% of the global freshwater withdrawals. And we're continuing to plant stuff and grow stuff. Over the last decade, the vast majority of public funding and international development assistance for agriculture has been spent on irrigation projects. So this is a huge area to think about. The numbers don't lie. When you're talking about 40% demand growth, meeting that demand is a totally different task from meeting the demand for almost any other commodity because water is a finite resource. The world will have no more of it in 2025 or 2050 when the cows come home. What we have today is what we have then. So the earth has about 1.3 billion kilometers in water resources. Freshwater accounts for only 2.6% of that. A watershed is a drainage basin that accounts and allows for water to drain into a body of water such as a lake or reservoir. Deforestation, soil erosion have led to loss of watersheds. That means lakes and reservoirs used for drinking water are not being replenished. you got drying aquifers. Um, you know, groundwater resources in Great Lakes communities like Chicago and Milwaukee. Withdrawal rates are, are far greater than replenish rates. So water is going to be a big, 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 big issue. Is there an investment in it? Of course there is. There's way too many investment ideas for me to wade into. (laughs) Horrible water pun. (laughs) 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 But rising demand for clean water is an investment theme. Water processing is an investment theme. Wastewater treatment, desalination, technological innovation, trying to reduce cost, water recycling, water conservation... So there's companies like Badger Meter, which manufactures flow measurement and control products. They serve gas companies, municipalities, and industrial companies. Calgon Carbide uses activated carbon for water treatment. Consolidated Water, CWCO. They develop and operate seawater desalination plants and water distribution systems in the Cayman Islands, Bahamas, and Belize. Franklin Electric, they manufacture and distribute water and fuel pumping systems. They're symbol F-E-L-E. Lindsay Corporation, they do a variety of proprietary water management and road infrastructure products. Gorman Rupp, they sell pumps. Tetra Tech, they do engineering projects. All publicly traded. Xylem, they manufacture highly engineered technologies for the water industry. Tritech, heavily tied towards environmental production industries in China. So I'm talking water and more as an investment theme. What do you think? Send me some feedback.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Good morning. I'm Rob Black. I'm your financial Sherpa. Sherpa, Sherpa, Sherpa. I will guide you through the financial mountains and I will get you to retirement if you trust me. You got to max out your 401k. You got to max out your every paycheck. You got to save 10 to 15%. If you're saving 3%, it's not enough. If you're saving nothing, you're going to work till the day you die. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Be the cool grandparent. Well, at this point in time, I think it's worthy of me to say, let's bring in Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com, regular guest on the show. Today, we're talking a little life insurance investment tip and estate planning tip. I like the tips. People like the tips. People like the easy, digestible content that Chad Burton throws out. So, well, my first tip when it comes to life insurance is uh, it doesn't work well as an investment. Okay. Now, that's one of the things insurance salespeople will do. They'll say, look, you get the insurance, but there's also an investment and a savings component, and you can borrow from it in the future. So there's a lot of bells and whistles in insurance. Well, yeah, right. But if somebody sells you life insurance as an investment before maxing out your 401k, contributing to a Roth, or doing a non-deductible contribution and converting it to a Roth if you're not eligible for a Roth and they do a financial plan and the first thing they do is sell you life insurance, they are awful planners. They are not fiduciaries. They should be upfront saying, I'm not a fiduciary. Don't use my services. This is essentially what they should do. Between you and me though, Chad, I don't think the public knows that. And I don't think insurance people know that. I think insurance people are typically high school to educated. I don't think they've got any sort of degree in economics. I don't think they have any sort of degree in, in investing, which is looking into the future. Whereas insurance is worst case scenarios. Yeah. So it is just a mixing of, of theories. You know, some of the favorite people I like to hire are certified financial planners that are recovering insurance people. Like they spent good five, 10 years selling insurance. 12 step programs. Realize that they don't like selling and they like financial planning, but they want to do it on a fee basis. They know a lot about that industry, which you have to know to be a good planner. You have to know how insurance works. When is it right? 90% of the population needs to buy term life insurance and invest the difference. But there are specific t- reasons when you buy permanent life insurance. Like if you're doing pension planning, if you have a pension that's going to go away when you die or be cut in half for your spouse, you need you, term insurance isn't going to work. You need permanent. If you have an estate issue where, let's say you're a small business owner or own a lot of property, and you die, there's a huge estate tax bill sold or due when you die, and the only way to do it is to do a fire sale on the property or the business to pay the estate taxes – that's a problem, and that's when you need life insurance held in a trust or an irrevocable life insurance trust using permanent insurance. And in fact, right now, there's such gifting opportunities for wealthy people out there that they can gift a lot of money into a trust which buys the insurance, and they can cover their entire state tax bill because for 2012 and 2012 only, it looks like uh, you can gift up to $5 million bucks out of your state while you're alive without paying any gift tax. So... Um, the issue is, is, you know, using life insurance as an investment, so many things can go wrong. They sell you this policy as an investment, right. you, showing you a ledger with great rates of return. 
they don't show you the other side of the ledger, which says, here's what happens if mortality expenses go up, overall expenses of the policy go up, the performance isn't good. Um, the fees can change after you buy the policy. And I've seen... And very early on, they don't, but midterm, long-term, they do. Oh, yeah. Right now, the stuff that was sold in you know the 90s is blowing up. Right. You know, they were sold showing 8 to 12% returns inside the investment side of the insurance policy. And that didn't happen, obviously, over the last decade. So these things are blown up. People have put thousands and thousands of dollars into them, and they're becoming worthless. I'm with you. And, uh, you know, raise your right hand. I, 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 am, I, I have term life insurance. Do you? I do. So we're financial professionals, and we've got term, and we invest the rest. So a lot of things can go wrong with the insurance product. And um, a lot of times with insurance products, Chad, the, the commission's up front, whether it's an annuity product or a life insurance product, a lot of time it's take the money and run. It, it's a bad product initially, but once you have it, is it necessarily a bad product? Because the, the commission's already out of it for the salesperson into the company. Yeah, I mean, if you've got some of the older whole life policies from you know, Northwestern, New York Life, and they're the whole life good dividend paying ones, and you bought them you know, prior to you know, the 2000s, then you've probably paid all the loads and you can look at the cash value as kind of your emergency reserves. Right. Um, you've really got to look at it. If, you, if you're spending too much and you're not able to max out your 401k or save for your kids' college or other things and you've got these policies, you've got to get a, what's called an in-force illustration, look at it and see when does the cash value equal the surrender value Yep. Um, to see when you're able to get out of it. And uh, you also have to look at the tax consequence because if you pull, if you surrender it and you're over age, under age 59 and a half and there's more money in it than what you put into it, Yep. It's a tax consequence with a 10% penalty like an IRA, so you might have to roll it over. So quick question for you, because we're starting to wrap up here. Um, when I was 17, I dated a girl who worked for a state farm insurance guy. Mm-hmm. She was like a secretary, and she was pretty hot. Um, and my adult life, I've always used Geico and USAA, and they don't have insurance agents. They kind of have like an 800 number, call center number. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong for thinking, I don't really want an agent? I kind of would rather have a big company that gets me volume, volume, volume discounts versus an independent agent who comes to my house and gets to know me. Yeah, I would say that's, that's again, true for about 90% of the population. Um, But I like it when people get all their stuff in one spot because it, it, if you're going to get something from Geico, also get your umbrella insurance there. Don't try to piecemeal your stuff together with different, you know, discount places because you can end up making mistakes in, in values. And a lot of times to get umbrella, you have to have certain, coverage on your auto and home, um, where it gets into play where you need a real good agent is if you're wealthy, you've got ranches, you've got various homes and you need to make ranches. sure there's seriously where you and need horses there and certain types of coverage for yeah. like fire, like people in Oregon Hill, that kind of thing. You, you need different types of coverage. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So just showing you my chops. Showing you what I can do, one of the things I like to talk about is empowering yourself. A lot of people go bankrupt, and the only people they have to blame is themselves and not others. You know, people have warned us about credit cards since we were children, and yet we continue to ignore them. When we get our first job, we get a credit card, maybe, and you're pretty good about it, and then you slip and make a mistake. It's not like we buy anything on credit that we absolutely positively need. Again, if you are, you shouldn't. I mean, you're you're beyond help at that point in time. You, credit's not going to do it for you. You know, 
I remember my parents suggesting I never get a credit card. Always pay cash. And again, that's not totally accurate and totally a smart thing to do. I'm glad that I've got credit because it's helped me expand my, my credit score and helped me get things like cheap mortgages. Being a grown-up means you have a credit history. You know, that's a good thing. Credit card number one, okay. Credit card number two, interesting. Credit card number three, that's a problem. Credit card number four, huge problem. $10,000 in debt, fixable. $20,000 in debt, it's beyond you. And that's when you file for bankruptcy and you have to remember your parents warned you. It's on you. You knew better. AM 1220. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Hello. As my German friends would say. Bonjour. Celebrate your youth. There's no doubt about it. It's a good time to go to the Coppola Winery. Good time to blow money. Something you're going to regret later. Because the more you save earlier, means the less you have to save later. Quit putting it off. In your 20s, you need to find a career path. If you're 31, 32, living with mom and dad. 31, 32, living with a roommate. 31, 32, not quite figured it out. You need to figure it out soon. Having a source of income is the number one thing you can do. If you're in a career that's not satisfying you, or you don't have a man or a woman to satisfy you, you need to find one. If I'm 31, 32, living at home, I'd heavily, heavily consider hanging out at the burn clinic and finding myself a nice, crispy young person who's got lots of money. Burns heal. Money's tough to come by. Of course, I'm not early suggesting you hang out at a burn clinic, but it's an option. It's like if you don't have enough money in retirement, maybe one of your best options is to buy a gun, go into a bank, shoot one shot in the air, hope a security guard doesn't plug you, and go to jail for the rest of your life. Because that's a retirement option. Three square meals a day, a gem, cable TV, air conditioning, it's far better than living in a trailer in Modesto. You know what's funny about me? I don't even know where Modesto is. I've lived in the Bay Area for 10 years. I don't know where Modesto is. Oh, good God. What's wrong with me? So in your 20s and early 30s, you need to start figuring out. And honestly, if your career is not where you want it to be, you may want to start thinking about marrying well. And I know that's offensive to some of you. I totally grasp that. It's meant to be. This isn't the Rob Black and your you know money show where I'm going to lie to you. It's your Rob Black and your money show where I'm going to tell you the truth. You may want to start thinking about you know marrying well if things haven't started working out for you. I once was at a pool in L.A. and I saw this old Brazilian woman. She was probably pretty hot when she was 20, but at 60 she was just a piece of leather. And she brought like a young 20-year-old himbo the pool with her and I'm like he figured it out 
He doesn't have a brain in his head. It's not going to work. He figured out, you know, tap into a money machine. 60-year-old piece of leather. Again, maybe it was true love. Maybe it wasn't. But he figured it out better than most of us. So you need to find your career path. By the time you hit 30, you need a job that does more than pay you the bills. You need a career. Or you need to be on track to get one pretty damn fast. You have to have a marketable skill before graduation. Being excellent at flip cup or beer pong will only get you so far in this world. Which, hey, if it gets you into a fraternity because you're excellent skills at beer pong, a fraternity can get you far in life. Like, I regret the fact that I burned and spurned fraternities. I got beat up at a fraternity party once. I had a choice of basically vomiting in a bathtub, a sink, or a toilet, and I chose the bathtub incorrectly. <laughs> and the fraternity didn't think that was cool. So they beat me up and put a plastic bag over me and drove me home, which was kind of cool. <laughs> they drove me home because they thought I was so pissed, is the word for being drunk, that I would walk in front of a car and kill myself and they'd get some bad publicity. So they actually drove me home. True story. It's the only time I've ever been hit in my life. Eh, that's not true. I boxed once. I'm one to know in boxing, but that's a story for another day. So anyway, in your 20s, you need to figure out a career. And flip cup, beer pong doesn't count. Doesn't mean you have to study accounting. Doesn't mean you have to be in business administration or computer science. You just need to have a career. You know, uh, is a BA in English a useless degree? Not necessarily. It gives you writing skills. gives you, you know, reading skills. It gives you the ability to say that, you know, you went through four years of school. Is it the best degree? Probably not. If you're working and you, you can kind of like figure it out, if you feel good about your career, you know, it's 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're going to be doing, still doing it, and that's your career. You need to build an emergency fund in your 20s and the early 30s, which basically means if you get into trouble with your health, it's there. It's not there for TVs. It's, it's there in case you lose a job. An emergency fund is two to six months of cash. That would cover all of your expenses for two to six months so that if you do lose your job, you have that cash availability. You need to create a plan to repay your debt. In your 20s and early 30s, you probably still have some student loan. Any debt over 8%, you need to pay off immediately. Student debt and mortgage debt's good debt. You don't need to pay it off immediately especially if you're getting a, a tax deduction for it. But you need to know it's there and you need to be able to service it. And in your 20s, you need to start you know, a retirement account. If you don't have one, you're behind. If by age 30 you have nothing saved for retirement, you're, you're, you're not going to work till the day you die, but you're, pre, you're starting to come close to that. It needs to be a sizable amount of money. If you start saving 150 bucks a month at age 25 and you get an 8% return... You'll have $527,000 by age 65. If you wait till you're age 30 and you save that same amount of money, you'll only have $180,000. So the difference of about $300,000 is five years. If you wait till 40 and you start saving $200 a month, you'll just have $191,000. So you can't wait. Crunch the numbers. In your 20s and 30s, you got to save 10 to 15% of every paycheck. Every paycheck. Is that fun? No. Is that sexy? No. 
But I assure you, my sexiest date ever was uh, at a girlfriend who was house-sitting a dog. So we had to walk the dog, which is not a euphemism for anything other than walking the dog. And it was a summertime, and, and the rain started out of nowhere. So we had a summer shower. And it was the cheapest date I've ever been on, but it was also the best date I've ever been on. We walked for an hour in the rain. Ended up soaking wet. But it didn't cost money. In your 20s, you can get away with that. In your 30s and 40s, you're like, oh, it's wet. Go back and get an umbrella. My bones are aching. Right? You just want to put a gut in your mouth and shoot yourself. Like, stop nagging, lady. When did I marry horsey woman? <laughs> but in your 20s, like, I like you a lot. And I'm wet, but I'm cool with it. Right? Are you with me or are you against me? You have to pick a side here. This is a battle. This is a battle to get you to retirement. Okay. What else do I need to talk to you about? How about some careers for the next decade? Federal government, higher education. Immigration expert, energy, genomics, neurophysics, optometrist. People are always going to have bad eyes. Genetic counselor, patient advocate, physical therapist, veterinarian. You know, I always wanted to marry a veterinarian. That was one of my dreams as a kid. Like to be in, I had some weird little things about me. One of them was, uh, I kind of wanted to marry a woman who was a vet. Kind of earthy woman who... was in touch with herself. So a couple other things that you need to know, especially when you're younger, because this show is really for them. And if you're old listening to the show, you know, I hit on your topics, so don't get mad at me. But investing in your 20s and what you need to know in your 20s is, is pretty important. It's a good time to make mistakes because you have time to recover from them. I once bought a stock that was a company that was freezing cancer. It was a great concept. Cancer's hideous, and when you have to radiate, when you have to nuke somebody, it's hideous what it does to the body. My dad died from cancer, and it's a horrible way to go. So I bought a stock that was, I didn't understand it. I liked the concept, I liked the initial revenues, but I learned that Doctors would use the program once, but if they didn't use it a second time, that tells you something. I didn't know that. I saw the initial orders. I, I thought follow-up orders would happen. But the technology was too unwieldy, and I lost a lot of money on that stock. You learn to make mistakes, and you try not to repeat them. I won't buy medical device companies, or I'll try not to buy medical device companies. I'll admit where I know what I know well, diversification, equity, diversification, asset allocation. In your 20s, you want to plan ahead. You need to write down goals. What's your five-year goal? What's your 10-year goal? What's your 20-year goal? You got to live within your means. Like I said, my best date ever was free. Now, you know, we all know my story about my first girlfriend. Uh, the key for Lope. First date was a Madonna concert where I got scalp tickets. Second date, and Beastie Boys opened up. It was awesome. 
and I got my first kiss. Second date was her prom, and I had a little bit more than a kiss. Third date, I got to meet her boyfriend at her birthday. Those three dates were eight hundred plus dollars. I thought love. I thought money led to love. I was wrong. Live within your means. I could have done everything with her with a bottle of two buck chuck, or I could spend eight hundred dollars. You got to make saving a habit in your twenties. You got to establish credit. You have to have a marketable skill. And most importantly, in your twenties or thirties, marry wisely. You listen to AM twelve twenty, KDOW. AM twelve twenty KDO. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Money, investing, and much, much more. Mary Meeker is one of those internet gurus she's presenting at the all things digital conference and she's talking internet trends i highly recommend anytime you hear about things like this go google her you know i think mary meeker and her reports are worth reading they may not be worth investing off of but they're worth reading internet growth remains robust rapid mobile adoption still in early stages there's a reimagination of nearly everything. The economy's got some mixed trends with some negative biases. A lot to be excited about in the world of tech. Her slides are incredibly basic, but they're incredibly useful. 2.3 billion global internet users in 2011. That's 8% growth. Pretty impressive. China and India have got the biggest internet users. As far as additions go, China's got double the internet users that the United States has. India is half. Indonesia, Philippines, Nigeria, Mexico, Russia, they're all there. They're all players. Don't be a player hater. 1.1 billion global mobile 3G subscribers, 37% growth. Only 18% of mobile subscribers. Only 18% of the penetration rate is pretty low. But there's a lot of upside. And the growth is astounding. iPods change media industry. iPhones ramped it up even faster. The iPad growth is three times as fast as the iPhone. It's leaving its siblings in the dust. Android phone adoption is ramped even faster, four times the iPhone. Despite tremendous ramp so far, smartphone user adoption has a huge upside. Smartphone users stand at 953 million. Mobile phone subscriptions stand at 6.1 billion. I love Merrymaker. 
Like, just talking this stuff just turns me on. It's like, I, I feel a vividness. Like, I get kind of fluttery. It's like a first kiss. Impressive 29% of American adults own a tablet. That's crazy. An e-reader or tablet, that's up from 2% less than three years ago. We've gone from 2% tablet e-readers to 29% of American adults. Do you own one? You're the part of the ghetto. Welcome to the ghetto. Good news, global mobile traffic growing rapidly to 10% of internet traffic. 1% in 2009, 4% in 2010, 10% in 2012. So it's a global story. Mobile, 8% of U.S. e-commerce, and that's accelerating. That's pretty crazy. E-commerce year-over-year growth is still growing. Mobile commerce as a percentage of e-commerce, still growing. They say that the prime time to shop right now is 10 p.m. That's when people get into bed, and before they make love, sweet love, they surf on the internet and buy stuff. Because what gets us in the mood more than nothing like going to Amazon.com? Mobile monetization is growing rapidly. 71% of apps, 29% ads. So we're getting monetized pretty good there. 150, 150% compounded annual growth rate in the last three years. Material upside for mobile ad spend versus mobile usage. Percent of time spent in media versus percentage of advertising spending. Still very, very small on mobile. It's a $20 billion opportunity, and that's why Google, Android, and Apple are slugging out as hard as they are. Time spent versus advertising spent is about even in TV, but in mobile, time spent is 10 times the ad spend. In print, it's 25% ad spend, 7% read. That's pathetic. That's bad news for newspapers. It's good news for internet advertising if they can figure it out. And again, some people say that just because you have users doesn't mean you get advertising and doesn't mean that they'll even be aware of that advertising. Rapidly growing mobile internet usage has surpassed more highly monetized desktop internet usage. Okay, so desktop internet was 100% of our time spent in 2008. And since then, it's gone down to about 48%. Where mobile surfing on the internet, i.e. on your device, your phone, your Kindle, your iPad... We now spend more time on the internet mobily than we do on our desktop. That's pretty interesting. You know, where, where money is being spent right now, as far as advertising goes, weather channels on the line. Mm, that's the number one area. So I do dig... Mary Maker, and I've been quoting a lot of her recent statistics, and take them for what they're worth. You know, she looks at mobile ARPU, desktop ARPU. ARPU is ad revenue per user. 
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. You can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. You can find me at Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. You can find me at YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find me online at robblack.com. Twitter me at Rob Black Show. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.